I am excited to announce to you a collaboration with my friends at Mountain Tough Fitness Lab to bring you a brand new series on the app called The Spiritually Strong and Morally Tough Man. This is an 11 consecutive day series working through my book, Strong Men, Dangerous Times, where we identify five essentials of manhood. You can find this new series on the app under Mental Spiritual Toughness, and I'm excited to announce to you that it is live now. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Are you being crushed under the weight of what culture is saying about biblical Christianity? Are you feeling the weight of sin flattening you down like a pancake? Do you often feel like you are in a spiritual battle and you are getting pummeled by the enemy? This is the podcast for you. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we salute you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast, Spotify's number one podcast for Christian men. I'm Jim Ramos, your host and guide leading you to your best version in the stress bubble of life and beyond. Welcome to today's show. Before we jump into our interview, I want to share with you a hero story that recently came in. This is hero story number 128 out of the 365 that we're collecting. Remember, a hero story is a story that either you've experienced or you've witnessed in someone that you love of transformation. So whenever you send us your hero story of transformation, we want to send you some swag just to say thank you. So this is Hero Story number 128. It comes in from Jack on Instagram, and Jack says, Less than a year ago, I became a first-time father after trying to have a baby for six years. This ministry has helped me be a better Christian leader for my family and a better husband to my bride and a better dad. I do appreciate this ministry and everything it's done for me and my household. Thank you. So the hero story is not him saying he appreciates this ministry. The hero story is when he's saying he's become a better Christian, a better husband, and a better father. So guys, that is awesome. Thanks a lot, Jack. Hit us up. We'll send you some swag. We need to have your physical address. Hey guys, make sure you stay tuned until the end of the interview and we unleash our most recent man law with you. And guys, again, thanks for making this Spotify's number one podcast for Christian men. Hey guys, I am really excited to bring on my old friend, old friend of like five years ago, Jeff Both. Uh, you're going to love this interview with Jeff. He is a, a hard charger, married to his beautiful wife, Lori, for 38 years. He's currently a professor of theology at Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He also pastors church three four, three, four in Tulsa. Uh, man, you got to check this. If you're on the east side of Tulsa, go check it out. If you can survive the neighborhood, you can survive being a Christian. He's also the founder of Cave Time, whose mission is to kindle the fire of God in the hearts of men. We've had him on our show before talking about his book, Defending the Feminine Heart. He's also written the book, Cave Time, God's Plan for Man's Escape from Life's Assaults, and his most recent book, The Serpent Crutcher. 
a plan to become a better man by crushing the things that crush you, which is our topic today. So it's always a good time when I have my friend Jeff on. Jeff, how you doing, man? Man, I am living the dream. I I can't believe I'm on your podcast. Will you will you sign? Dude, really? Will you, you sign s- my chest? Will you sign my chest? I'm gonna be like only with a I'm sharpie like- and only if you shave it first. And you start off the podcast with a lie. Come on, man. <laughs> no, I uh, I mean that. You know that I am I do I do I do to be on your your pod. I'm just proud of you and. And uh, you're one of those guys that I clap for and wish I, if we lived in the same town, we'd be hanging out. Yep, uh, for sure. And I love what you do. I believe in what you do. And it's an honor to lock shields together. Yeah, you know, in fact, Jeff, I was just sharing with you offline. So I've got a book coming out in January called The Men's Ministry Playbook. It's a book that we've written mm-hmm. for guys who are wanting to start a men's ministry in their church. It's a book for pastors or board members who want to start a men's ministry and the opening fly of that book is just one quote. That's all it is. One quote from Jeff Voth. As men go, so goes the culture. So you are you are my flyleaf, baby. Come on now. Oh, <laughs> uh, come on, man. Let let sell a billion copies and then somehow. Oh man, something. That's just a, I, uh, yeah. I don't I I I don't remember if you got that quote from somewhere. I don't know. I just quote well, you as the original. It is it is actually uh it Somebody may have said it. So, right, every, nothing new under the sun. But it is, man, I made that statement as a, I mean, as a uh, a cultural, you know, observer, not necessarily as a Christian um, in, in an academic context. And that's part of, you know, how I, where I roll. And that is that it doesn't matter whether you're a, a God follower or a Jesus follower. I'm just making a statement. You can look at Babylon, you can look at Rome, you can look at Greece. When we lose men, you lose that culture. Well, and you and look so at America, you look at America in World War II and the silent or the great generation, look what's happened past that. The the hard part with our cultures, our culture makes a lot of boasts, but history yeah. history gives us objective truth. And that's the it. objective truth is as men go, so goes the culture. That's just bottom line. It's true. It, it, which is weird because a lot of this lie, I mean, I, I love you and what you're doing, but a lot of the lie comes out of academia. It, it's yeah. it's people in academia saying, no, men don't matter. And I'm like, where yeah, where are you getting this data? It just yeah. isn't out there. Well, not this academic, not this school. <laughs> oh, trust me. I know we, that. We, we stand proudly uh, for God's order and sexuality. And the best way to live is to live the way he made you. And it doesn't mean that people don't struggle, right? But we help them struggle well. Don't sell out to your struggle and be identified by it. Man, that's a whole nother topic. Well, that is, that is, yeah, exactly. You're not, what your sin is not how you're identified. You're identified by no. who God made you to be. And you know what's really interesting, Jeff? In the last four or five years, <clears throat> I'm hearing a phrase more and more, and I'm using the phrase more and more. And it's not, I'm not using the word Christianity anymore. I'm using the phrase biblical Christianity. Yeah. And to me, those yeah. are different. Absolutely. And then, man, I'm a follower of Jesus. And Jesus was a man of the word. He was the word. Uh, He was steeped in the order of the Old Testament. And he was the fruition of all that it pointed towards. And which is order and sexuality, order in the way that you treat people. And uh, so we're just, we just have an order problem. I agree. And I'm actually going to ask you a theological question today. Uh, so I want you okay. to be ready for it. I just realized, I know that you're a massive fan of C.S. Lewis. In fact, you were... He's you, right there. Well, d- hold on. Shoulder. No, here's the question. <laughs> Are the glasses on purpose? Are those C.S. So, Lewis inspired? Okay, so Come on, tell me the to, truth. 
when I had to get glasses, absolutely. I mean, I went into the, I went into my doctor. I said, listen, I want to, I want to look like that. I do. If I've got to wear these, I want, I'm going full on C.S. Lewis or Eric Metaxas because Metaxas rocks these pretty good as well. No, man, those are sweet looking on you, man. And yeah. you're a lot better looking so. guy than C.S. Lewis. He did not, <laughs> he did not score in the looks department, but I think Lori would say that, that you did. So. <laughs> Yeah. We got to, you know, we're gonna have to jump into this podcast because uh, we're going to sit here and spitball the whole time. So I just had an hour ago, I had a guy who I graduated high school with on this podcast named Kirk Milhone. And Kirk is actually a pediatric cardiologist who travels all around the country. He's done a hundred, over a hundred missions trips, giving little children heart surgery. Wow. But what inspired that is the recent events in your life. You said you've had a little heart stuff going on. What's the, going on there? Yeah, I had uh, and kind of a chap a chapter in the book about it that um, I had you know I hadn't gotten I trained and uh, but my diet was man if I train better than I eat I could eat you know really bad and train you know train that away and that just caught up with me and I I hadn't ballooned to huge but I was you know two hundred and twenty pounds and thick and I was all about bench press and training for, you know, heavy, heavy lifts, which love lifting heavy, but, um, I, I, my, my health wasn't good. And so I got to a point to where my heart rate could at any given moment, just skyrocket to 160, 180, uh, happened in a doctor's appointment one day, which is great. And the guy is a Christian friend of mine. And I write about it in serpent crusher. And he's like, dude, you need to, you need to lose weight you're eating too much sugar. You're, you know, pre-diabetic. He just nailed me in the mouth. I was mad at him. I'm like, I'm never going back to that joker again. And, you know, he just, he, he hit me with the truth. And I had to realize that, you know, Jesus didn't die for my body and then give it back to me so that I could treat it however I want to. I need to steward my body well, and I needed to crush my health. And part of that, part of that was my diet. And part of that was even the way that I trained. And so, yeah, I had to, I had to address a, a, an out of rhythm heart. Part of it's genetic. Part of it is the way I had lived a pretty stressful existence and had some heart stuff. And so I needed to start paying attention to my heart physically and spiritually. God, God's brilliant that way. He got my attention about my spiritual heart, Jim, through my physical heart. And I had to have heart surgery, six hour long. They go up through your arteries all the way into your heart. And I had a couple of episodes while they were in there. It was not touch and go. I don't, I wasn't going to pass on the table, but it was, it was, it was rough. I thought it was going to be kind of a, this, this easy and it was, it was something, man. And so I had to make a lifestyle change and uh, it was good, but God got my attention. And he's like, your body is mine. I died for that. I own that. You don't, you don't get to decide what you want to put in there. Uh, I do. And so you need to tend it better. <laughs> so we're getting ready to form a partnership with an organization and, uh, we're going to fly out there in October and hang out with these guys. They're a bunch of 35 to 40 year old guys that are <laughs> all ripped and they've got an app, a fitness app <laughs> and it's hit workouts and, and it's just killing me. I just texted the owner three days ago and I said, I hate you and you suck <laughs> anyway, but, um, it's the same thing. I'm having to address this thing as, as, as we get older, what do our bodies require of us? 
because our minds are saying no, but our bodies are saying, man, I need more. And, you know, our bodies are breaking down and and we have to be responsible stewards of those things. I, I love what you said. We don't own anything. No. When a man understands that, that's huge. That means that guy has surrendered most things to Jesus, right? When I, yeah. you own it all, you own my money, my time, my body, everything. So, so this book, Serpent Crushers, it's probably my top ten all-time best titles of a book. So, tell me about yeah. Serpent Crushers. Why you title it that way? And yeah. uh, and why don't you give us uh, give us an opening? Give us the opening Mallard Duck story, <laughs> or you can give the Snot Bubble story. Yeah. Uh, but but why why that title? And and talk to us about being crushed. Yeah, so the serpent crusher ties back to it's it's really a theological concept that I see throughout the entirety of scripture. And that's called here's a great one for you guys. You don't need to become a theological rocket scientist, but it'll make people think you're smarter. It's called the proto evangelium. The first evangelistic proclamation. It happens. See, people think evangelism is New Testament evangelism's genesis 3 14 and 15 when uh our great 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 grandfather and grandmother you know sold us out and uh they became disobedient to the serpent they ate the forbidden fruit and the lord himself the lord himself came and he said to the serpent the seed of the woman will crush your head and then he cursed that serpent to crawl on its belly. And Jim, I think the scripture doesn't say this, so this is my opinion, but I've got some great Bible scholars that are with me and we talk about it in the book. I think then he cursed the the serpent, Nahash, who was the shiny one, the beautiful dragon that walked in there and became their friend over years, took time. He became their friend. Satan became their buddy. And uh, he called God into question, and he conned them. He objectified the woman, because the scripture tells us that she ate some of the fruit and gave some to Adam, and he was with her. Are you kidding me? He sat there while the enemy objectified her, abused her. He should have stood up and hit that thing in the mouth, and he did not. And then they lost it all, and shame came, and they hid from God and God came and he walked and Adam, where are you? It's not because it's not because God didn't know. He wanted Adam to turn to him. But what did Adam do? Before there were buses to throw Eve under underneath, he threw her under one and he said, it's her fault. She was defective. You gave her to she she caused me to do it. And then she blamed the serpent. And the Lord made a proclamation, Proto-Evangelium, right there with his own voice, he prophesied. The seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. And we know on this side, the seed of the woman is that seed of faith that carried through the generations. Man, I'm getting excited now. Carried through every generation. And ultimately, Paul would say in Galatians 4, 4, in the fullness of time, Christ would be born and he would step onto this planet. And that's that's Jim, and we talk about it in the book on purpose. I have the genealogy go like this through man. Now that is on purpose. This is, this person begat this person begat this person. It's the seed going through time, born in the person of Jesus, who lived, died, suffered, bled, 
And then on Golgotha, on the cross, said, it is finished. Boom. Right there on Golgotha, crushes the head of the serpent and kills death when he resurrected three days later. That's the that's the story of Scripture. That's where we get the title. Theologically speaking here, yeah. do you think that... Well, I should probably tell you I do think this. So if you, but it's okay to disagree completely. But yeah, you know yeah. they when they were uh, hunched over in shame instead of walking yeah. fully upright. Right, God has created humans as the only animals to create to walk upright with our sex organs exposed. But now yeah. in the fall, we're hunched over, we're hiding ourselves. We sow fig leaves. Yeah. When God comes and makes animal furs as clothing, do yeah. you believe that was a prophecy to the blood of Jesus? That Absolutely. died for sin. Okay. Wholeheartedly. Yeah, Wholeheartedly. me too. Me too. I think that's. Just a, think about that. They're isn't that awesome? sitting there in these stupid little <laughs> grass skirts that they because they were ashamed. Yep. And the Lord comes and and uh, uh, an animal, an innocent animal had here, to little bunny. Bleed. Here, little bunny. <laughs> yeah, because here, of little bunny. Did. Here's a carrot. Thunk. <laughs> yeah, and there's the pelt. <laughs> but that's 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 a prophecy right there. That's you know you, absolutely. It's like you see so early on. You see Jesus. Then you see you know it just it's astounding absolutely. the prophetic messages that preach not only the Trinity but Jesus in the first three chapters of Genesis. And we follow that. We follow that. That's where serpent crush. You follow that. It is in every book. Uh, you follow that thesis goes from Genesis all the way through to the Revelation. Uh, Jesus is the serpent crusher, and we are we too are to be serpent crushers. So powerful. Well, you tell the mallard duck story, so we'll just leave <laughs> that for later. To me, that was a hilarious story. <laughs> I too am a duck hunter, but you wrote this on page three. You said, through porn, sexual addiction, the objectification of all <clears throat> kinds of things, lethargy and cluelessness regarding their purpose, men have lost their shape. They have been forced into a mold that was not originally intended for them, and they are totally out of whack. Jeff, I could when I look at the men in our culture today, I could not agree with you more. How do you know? Like, you interact with dudes all the time. How do you know when you've seen a crushed man? Would he, you know, he's not the shape that that God. It's really made him. interesting because he's not necessarily the mallard that got run over. That I, I mean, it was <laughs> that thing. There was no blood flat. With just the orange feet and a beak, and it 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 was amazing. Uh, so you can you see guys get crushed flat, and then there are guys that pose and try to act like, "Oh, I'm the man." You were you were you were created to be the man. Let's see how that works out for you. Go ahead and you keep posing. You keep posing, and ultimately you're going to be that mallard duck. Uh, and so you and I both get to rub shoulders with guys like that, and. I won the other day, man, this dude, this dude, poser, something happened and he's mad at his wife and he is like yelling at me on the phone. I'm, I'm out of here. And man, he was accusing her of stuff that I'm like, dude, you've done that too. What are you doing? And it's the accusation. And yeah, I stopped him. Yeah. I said, I need you to shut your mouth right now. Okay, go ahead. You, you go ahead and leave. G great. You leave and we'll see how that works out for you. And you brought two kids into the world that you leave, they're going to get crushed. When you leave and you're just going to perpetuate this, you're going to get crushed. They're going to get crushed. Or you can be a man and you can nut up and you can you can crush it. Let me tell you how you're going to crush it. You're going to be repentant. You're going to apologize. You're going to own up to what you've done wrong. And you're going to ask Jesus, you're going to take her hand 
and ask Jesus to pray. That's how we that's how we crush it, right? Or you can be crushed, be an idiot, and you know. It, well, and that's a good point because mm-hmm. a lot of the guys who are getting crushed are the guys that are starting around because maybe they have a job that yeah. allows them to have a veneer. I was on the sure. airplane driving, uh, flying down to do a 24-hour layover with my wife just two days ago, and I was sitting next to a guy, and, uh, man, bragging about all of his restaurants, bragging about his life <laughs> and all these things. And and I started doing the math in my head, and I said, man, you keep talking about your your kids who are 27 and 28, but you yeah. just said you're driving, flying down right now to celebrate your 23rd anniversary. Oh, well, they're not really my kids. Uh, well, it's okay. and it starts yeah. to unfold, right? The real story. Sure. So you start seeing this duck, you know, slowly stop strutting. You're like, okay, what is the real <laughs> story here, right? Yeah. And so this is, yeah. So this crushed guy is not easy to recognize. No. And so no. in in your book, you lay out a few things uh, that you know you say, okay, here are some of the areas I think guys are getting crushed, and I think we're going to hit on most of those areas. But <clears throat> the purpose of your book, you said this on page five. You said I'm talking about getting out of the shape many of us have been crushed into, and into the manly masculine shape for which we were created, a mm-hmm. shape that is a shape that is to bring the Creator's dominion back to the planet. A crushed man can't do that. Then you continue, said that is the purpose of this book. So, so Jeff, I mean, you and I have been doing this a long time. We're about And Jim, even hearing that just fires me. I know, doesn't it? I just, I love the phrase dominion. Like God has given us dominion. And, you know, our culture says, no, in fact, you know, not only do you not have dominion, but you are the problem. And, And I, and I think you and I both agree that males are the problem, but men are the solution, right? So, so what's happened, man? Where have we failed as men? What's, I mean, I don't want to point to any group or organization or time frame, but, but you know, just to identify, okay, this is probably something that greatly, you know, created a great struggle within the masculine soul. And then how do we reclaim that, Jeff? Yeah. So uh, we make the case in Serpent Crusher, and you and I both know, both know him. And I talk about the story of the woman on the airplane after I just. You know, I just worked out my elevator speech about, you know, cave time and and what have you. And, and uh, you know, she had been objectified by men. She had been, you know, there are all kinds of guys that just had not been the example. And so I tell her, we started a company back in 2010 to help men be better men. End of statement. She's like, I, I need one of those. How do you get to be a better man? Well, thank you for asking. Uh, I wrote a book called Cave Time that gives five, actually five steps. We call them stones, disciplines, uh, that if you follow these and they're modeled after the best man ever, uh, then you'll be a better man. She's like, oh, great. Well, who's the best man? And I'm like, I'm not saying this to be flippant. It was Jesus. There's nobody like him ever. Uh, and he, here's the cool thing about him. He offers himself to us and he'll live through us. And I had a, a two-hour conversation with this woman, and it, w- it was awesome. And it was the Lord affirming that it's Jesus. Jesus is the superlative of manhood. He is the best in every category. And he came and crushed death so that everything that Adam lost and that you're born with losing, we are born losers. Uh, but in Christ, wow, who's the second Adam? We, we are new. 
And 2 Corinthians 5.17 says anyone who's in Christ is a new creature. Old things are passed away. And the Greek word is really, uh, it's rendered in English, behold, it's voila. Essentially, voila. All things are new. And so he in Jim Ramos, he and Jeff Voth looks different, but it's new. And it's best. It's the best of uh, what a man is. And we we look different. I'm not saying it's cookie cutter, but that life of Jesus uh, uh, and him, that image of him uh, makes us the best of men. Uh, and I know guys like that all over the world, uh, been all over the world, that when Jesus is in them, you're like, man, he looks different than the next guy. And he may not be in a gym like this guy or that guy, but there's a life in him. And he is submitted to Jesus and he is crushing it, right? Not getting crushed. <clears throat> well, it's really interesting. So. You're a C.S. Lewis fan. Well, so yeah. am I, but you're an expert. And so I'm no, going to quote. I'm a geek. Nobody's well, I'm gonna, <clears throat> I'm going to quote C.S. Lewis here. But I, I'm I'm not sure it's C.S. Lewis. I just give him credit for everything I'm in, I'm in doubt about. But uh, I think it was C.S. Lewis who talked about this phrase, functional atheism. And oh, yeah. we're in this world yeah. where we say, "I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian." And I've I've really been using this phrase a lot, saying, "Well, no, you say you're a Christian, but you're really a functional atheist." And this is what you're talking about, right? You want to unpack yeah. what Lewis was talking about with functional atheism? Yeah, so you're you you may say you're a Christian, but you're functioning and acting like your God is dead or there is no God. And so when you act like there is no God and G you act like Jesus isn't alive, that's no different than being an atheist who doesn't believe there's a God. And so when you when you really have the life of Jesus in you and his image in you, and the power of his spirit. There is something that when that gets a hold of a man, and again, I've had the privilege of traveling all over the world these last years. It's it's amazing to see this group of men who are, it is not toxic masculinity. Uh, there's toxic masculinity and toxic femininity. And what that is, is masculinity and femininity that don't have the life of God in them. Yeah, for sure. And the life of Jesus in them. And when Jesus is in a man and Jesus is in a woman, oh my goodness, you are fully alive. St. Irenaeus said that the glory of God is man fully alive or woman fully alive. And to be that, you have Jesus in you and you will be crushing it, not getting crushed. Culture is going to crush you and pummel you unless you have the life of God in you through you know, Jesus. You know, I know you're a theology professor, and uh, but really, doesn't it come down to that, Jeff? Like, it's all about Jesus, period, not Jesus plus. Like, it, uh, it, you just got to yeah. give give your life to Jesus. That's my man theology. Surrender your life to Jesus, uh, yeah. and you are a crusher. Don't surrender your life uh, to Jesus, and you're going to get crushed. I mean, am I missing I, I, something? It's really easy. That's why I wrote <laughs> this book. It's about this thick. Now, in academia, they there's this, this mantra, publish or perish. And so, you know, we have these thick, thick books or articles that you know, not a lot of people read. Why? Because they just stay in the academic world. It's man, it, this isn't an academic thing. Now it has academic reverberations, but he, Jesus is it. He is the point. He is the thesis. I actually wrote a book called Jesus is the thesis and you do well to get it. It's another thin one. Now it's thick uh, academically. So, you know, put your, put your big boy pants on, but I want to encourage you to get it. 
and we talk we talk about this that Jesus is the point. Uh, and when you look, and here's the cool thing, and we talk about this in Jesus is the thesis. He's he is embedded in so many cultures. Why? Because he loved cultures. The book of Ecclesiastes says that eternity is in the hearts of men. And we see through many cultures that they men they have these founding stories that you're like, huh, Gilgamesh and Anuma Elish and some of these, they they sound kind of like some of the stuff I've heard in scripture. Now they're not totally scripture, they're not totally like scripture. However, God has been reaching for cultures and they've traveled away from him. But I'm telling you, you can see in these cultures, you're like, oh my gosh, Jesus, man, the, you guys, Jesus was reaching for you there. And I know you call him this, but he's he's Paul did it in Acts 17. He's like, you are religious people. I've stood on Mars Hill, right where he did this. Me speech. too. It's really cool. I, last year. Isn't that awesome? Oh, up at the up I, at the Parthenon, you're like, oh my god. Okay, so down below is that the Temple of Zeus? I was well, guessing the, that it was. Yeah. So that's the down below the Temple of Zeus. Then Mars Hill. Yeah. Up or uh, up there is Nike and 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 you yeah. know the the uh, the the Parthenon. That and was so awesome. Paul would have been stood right there, bema seat. Which we've heard of, what the judge sat. Yep. He was arguing and said, "You have done well. Done. You're very religious. You have you have altars to all of these gods. You even have one to an unknown god. I know him. He has a name. And yeah. then he does a gospel presentation and says, "You killed him." And then he quotes their own poets. He quotes Cleanthes, yes. which sounds a lot like Ephesians and Galatians. Because he said, even some of your own poets have said, in him, we live and move and have our being. You're like, what is that? So embedded in that culture, one of their own poets had seen a flicker. Yep. And so Paul said, I, I can tell you who that is. You you crucified him. His name is Jesus. And yes, there is a resurrection. Uh, and you, you too can have that power. And not a lot of people jumped on that day. He offended a few people. But he won some to Jesus, actually a guy named Dionysius yep. that ended up being the bishop there. He led him to Jesus. And you've seen it. When you walked out of there, you walked on his street. It's named after him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. I didn't know it was on Mars Hill until we got to the Parthenon and we said, where's Mars Hill? And the gal said, right there. And we're like, because it's all marble. It's Everything's marble. You're just looking around. It was just glory. It was unbelievable. So you talked about a flicker, a flicker. Yeah. So. Yep. I think it's safe to call that a seed. You know, there's a seed. And you you said this. You said, what does a crusher look like? And then you said it starts with a crusher's seed. Absolutely. Do you want to embellish on that anymore? Yeah, absolutely. So that's what we see in in the Proto-Evangelium. It's this seed. The seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. And we see the battle of these seeds until Jesus comes in the fullness of time, carries that seed. So you have all of these people who believe God, Abraham, and all these people who are even pre-Jesus yeah, being on yeah. the planet believed. The book of Hebrews tells us that, right? He's like, they didn't see what you've seen on the other side, but they believed by faith. And there's that seed of faith that perpetuates generationally through generationally through generationally. And you even see it in the lineage. You see it in Rahab. You see it in, I mean, <clears throat> it wasn't just you know, for these covenant people, 
It was even even if you're an Egyptian and you and you slew an animal and put that blood over the doorpost that pointed towards the lamb, that seed of faith, the death angel would pass over you. Yeah, Ooh. that seed of faith, right? Never From thought Portland. about I could, that. I, I never thought off. about that. Even yeah. if you're an Egyptian, absolutely. Never because read the text when you read ne- the text. Uh, God's people went, and then the Egyptians, yes, that are like, you know what, we're betting on God. We've yep. seen this. Pharaoh is not God, and they put they were they were still alive, and their kids were still alive because they put the the blood of the lamb over the doorpost. How cool is that? Yeah, for yeah, and that, I wonder if that's a prophecy towards the Gentiles. Absolutely. I, you know what I mean? There's just so much. Absolutely. There's so much in there. I, I got to dive into your book, though, because I want to unpack some of the areas that you identified as areas where we're getting crushed. Yeah. And so uh, you wrote this. You said, I, and I, let's, we're going to talk about the, uh, being a time crusher. <clears throat> yeah. You wrote this, and I think this is a, a massive problem with good men and good dads and good husbands, but they buy into this American culture. Yeah, and and, and it, it crushes them. You said this. Absolutely. I can't remember one funeral where the person told me they wish they'd spent more time making money, uh, being totally busy and worn out. I've had many tell me, however, that they told someone they they wish they had told someone they loved just one more time, or had been able to spend just a little more time with them. Relationships, the ultimate. You put this sentence in here; it just kind of stands alone, and I'm going to read it right now. Relationships, the ultimate purpose for which we have been placed on this planet. So why is this time thing such a crusher for men? Yeah, I, I am tired of hearing. And I uh, here in the academic world, I have these young kids that come in and they're like, I, Dr. Voth, I just don't have my time to, I don't have time to finish. You know, my, my paper, can I have an extension? I'm like, well, I don't, I don't give extensions. You're coming to the wrong guy. Unless... <laughs> Unless you have a doctor, yeah. like if you, you know, you went to a family funeral and you can give me a picture. Of the, I mean, don't, because we all have the same amount of time. Don't make an excuse. And we have, I have men that do that. They're like, I ah, just, you know, I don't have time to be in the word. I don't You're have time. Every to, week. I'm like, I, you know, I don't buy that. I just don't buy that. I have the same amount of time and uh, I'm doing a book a year. I, uh, you know, a lot of people would think I have three jobs. Now I've had to tweak that, cut that back a little bit. I was maybe doing a little too much, but uh, you got to, I mean, you got to get this, what I call serpent crushing rhythm. You need to master this thing. And either Jesus, Jesus is Lord of time or he's not. And I think since he created it, he certainly is master of it and he could help you. Yeah. A serpent crusher is one of action more than words. Absolutely. So you can see a serpent crusher and you can see somebody. I got a guy I'm thinking of right now. He just, he's a brilliant minded guy, but he is crushed in relationships because he can't understand why people take days off and time off. And I'm like, well, that, <laughs> yeah, well, you're, so, the, well, look at your family, look at your life. I mean, yeah. You're so let's talk crushed. about Sabbath. You're, yeah, let's you're getting about, crushed. Yeah. Well, Sabbath's in the original design. Let's go ahead and talk about that. You think it, you know, it wasn't because God was lazy. Uh, he's an example. It's an example for us. Sabbath. And then Jesus tells us he's our Sabbath. And Jesus, Jesus got a lot done, but he also told his men, we've been busy. Come away with me. We talked about that in our series in Mark. Come away with me. 
come away with me, get on a boat, come away with me. So maybe they were duck hunting, right? I don't know. Hey, I would have, I'd be there. So, you know, it's interesting to me though, Jeff, I hear a lot of guys, we have a lot of guys interacting on this podcast that are not involved in a local community of faith. So I won't yeah. use the church word, but they're not involved <laughs> in any kind of community of faith, right? And, yeah. But they're getting, but yeah, I talked to a guy just yesterday who's saying he never takes a day off. Yeah. He's not involved in a community of faith. I'm going, bro, you're, there's so much going on Dude. here. I don't know yeah. why you feel compelled to work. I own my own business. I own my own business. I own two of them, three of them actually now. Uh, but yeah. I still take that time off. You know, we. I, I don't understand this concept. I, I wish Christian men could wrestle this to the ground and find it biblically. Uh, I think. I think pride, and then I think they they don't totally understand their purpose. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, you you are you are here the. The Westminster Catechism, the Shorter Catechism, talks mm -hmm. about the fact that you were you were put on this planet to love God and enjoy Him forever. Yep, love God and enjoy Him forever. Jesus would would say, "Love the you know." Somebody asked him, "What's the kingdom about?" Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Neighbors yourself. Do that. Do that. And all of it's contained in that that statement right there. Wow. So love God. How do I love God? Well, I love people well. <laughs> How do I love God? Well, not not die early because you worked all the time, not, not, not pass your faith onto your kids. It's really funny now that you, you and I both have grown kids, how your kids, man, they fought every Sunday and we're a ministry family, Yeah, but we would come home and we would get off the planet. Mm -hmm, I would, mm -hmm. I would literally crawl back into the bed and go to sleep for two, three hours. Not more than that, or I couldn't go back to sleep at night, but I, I mean, slobber on the pillow and they're like, Dad, we don't, you know, we don't want to take a nap. I'm like, awesome. And you just go up to your room, read a book, put on some music, and just chill. They're like, no, we don't. You know, our friends, our friends' family don't make them do this. I'm like, well, you know what? That means I'm just going to make you do it more because what's your last name? They know that speech. <clears throat> and so Sabbath, we would build Sabbath, and then we'd have family devotions that night, and we'd just mm -hmm. be with one another. And we do our big deal is we would eat nachos together, and we just hang out. We just yep. be. Yep. Sabbath. Now, Jim. They're doing it with their kids. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, doing it I, I get tired of people right? saying, well, that's in the Old Testament. I'm like, well, the whole thing, those 66 books are all inspired, yeah. old and new. So we got to take it all together. Yeah. And Jesus himself said that God did not make man for the Sabbath. He made Sabbath for the man. So you can't Absolutely. use an old, te uh, an old Testament excuse. So, well, so, yeah. so you talk about time and I think, uh, I think we hit it on the head here. If a guy is not taking, I think it's safe to say, Jeff, that if a man is not taking a weekly Sabbath, he's yeah. biblically disobedient, even a I New Testament so. Christian man. And, and <clears throat> the beauty of this book is that we give you like and it seems simple, but they are simple ways to do these things. Uh, so, <clears throat> excuse me, we have a way for you to actually, okay, this is how I can crush it. We call it, the, it's at the end of each section, it's the crush it section. Yeah, I've got it right here, the crush acrostic, right? That's it. Yep. Yeah, so the crush it section, at the end of each book, uh, at end of each chapter, crush it. C, call in the name of the Lord. And we give you a practical way to call in the name of the Lord. R, recall what he's done for you. That's a great way. Don't be thankless. Thank God for what he's done. Recall, you unleash the authority of heaven against the serpent. Now, start being a man. Learn how to pray manly prayers. 
and uh, unleash the authority of God against this against the serpent. Stand S stand, and we uh, we this whole stand thing is tied back to that wall. When men fall in culture, you lose the wall, and that's where that's where actually I gleaned that from. And then H hold the line, hold the line. We changed this because it didn't totally fit the acrostic. Hold the line is the haka. <laughs> oh, and, okay. Excuse me, man. So hold the line is the haka. And for those of you who know the Morty culture, that is that what the All Blacks in rugby, you know, do. The New Zealanders, they do. They they do that dance and they make those funny faces. And and so we, we call it hold the line because not everybody would understand the haka. But you need to learn how to do that, man. Hold the line for your family. So you learn to stand and then don't just stand for one day, but hold the line. And what we do in each of these chapters is show you how to crush, do those C-R-U-S-H, it, whatever the it is. And it's very simple, right? And again, we uh, we didn't do it in academic fashion. I mean, we did it so anybody, right, could take it and... Uh, have this be something that that uh, affects their life. Yeah, that's good, man. Well, the the next chapter <clears throat> was probably the one that impacted me the most. It's probably the weakest area of my my life, and it's uh, you have a Watchman Knee quote. Read several oh, of his man. books. Uh, he wrote, "Numerous yeah. Christians do not know how to glorify God in their eating and drinking. Uh, they do gosh. not eat and drink." Uh, yeah, I'm reading your words back to you both. They uh, do not eat and drink simply to keep their body fit for the Lord's use, but indulge to satisfy their personal desires. He continues, we should understand that the body is for the Lord and not for ourselves. Hence, we should refrain from using it for our pleasure. To me, that was powerful. He continued, you know, he keeps sucker punching me here. Food ought not hinder our fellowship with God since it to be taken, it's to be taken purely on uh, to preserve the body's health. What an interesting, and he was, was he South Korean? Yeah. And he had and, the yeah, mountain, so put, prayer mountain, right? Yes. Yeah. I And I put this in here. I so didn't want to because I'm like, no, 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 no. And I tried to argue with him theologically. And I'm like, you know what? You just don't like it. You don't like what he's saying because you've made an idol out of food. And Jim, I made an idol out of, I want, and I'll tell you when it happened. It happened when I was a high school, a junior high, high school wrestler having to cut weight. It went that far back. I remember as a kid running in plastic sweats, no body fat anyway, mad at my coach, mad at everybody and losing weight. And I remember saying this, I vowed when I become a man, I'm going to eat anything I want. I'm going to eat at any time I want. I'm going to drink anything I want. This, this sucks. Now I love to wrestle. So I, I wrestled, but I, and it's interesting that thing got on me. And then I just, then I, and I, I was never fat, but then I tell you, it caught up with me probably late 40s mid 50s then cuz what i thought i could do is out work out a bad diet and i was an idolater i made an idol out of my ability to eat what i want cuz i said that as a junior high kid and eat whatever i want whenever i want and so i'm just telling you i this convicted me and i even we even put job of the hut in there because I'm like that's a that's a blah, 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 blah. I'm like how is that any different? And I'm feeding my face eating Rocky Road. Here's but I tell you this I am I'm I've lost 
almost 16 pounds. I'm wearing, I'm wearing jeans. I haven't worn in 15 years. Uh, I, I was an abysmal failure in this area of my life and the Lord required it of me. And he, he caused and allowed caused whatever we could, you and I can theologically talk about that, but he got my, he got my attention because man, I had, I, I was having heart disease and that'll get your attention. Won't it? Um, I wasn't, I wasn't ready. Wasn't ready to go to heaven at 61. And so in the book, we talk about this and I, man, I'm, I got a hold of something. It's called the Fit Father Project. It is a great fitness uh, a project eating for guys over 40, 40 and over. And uh, Dr. Anthony Balduzzi and guys all over the country. It's a eating program, workout program. I needed an eating program that let me maybe have a cheat day periodically. And so it was great. And it's it's you can eat meat. Uh, cut out most sugar, almost all sugar. Uh, and I just had to eat differently. I just had to eat differently and I'm eating differently. And, uh, I am, you know, I've got my, got good fitness. Now I don't have the, uh, bench press that I use, used to have. Cause I, you know, cause when you, when you want to put 315 on there and rep it, that does crazy stuff to your blood pressure. Well, and here's the deal, and- bro. What you don't want to do that to your pecs. <laughs> I don't know how many guys that are our age that rip their pecs. I, you know what? And so, that had become an idol, Jim. It's man, we're just being transparent. It had become an idol. I wanted to be able to walk into a weight room on a college campus and think, "Uh huh, sixty-one baby, and I'm bad." That happened two, three years ago. I told my wife, "I'm going to bench press two twenty-five twenty times." Yeah, me too. And I'm uh, like, I did. I did it. But I walked in the gym and I was like, "Watch this." She goes, "Nobody cares." And of course, two Marines yeah, came over. Bro, but I got to let go. That that got to knock that stuff off, right? Well, for me, it's the same thing. I out eat my diet. Yeah. Uh, I think God has put some people into my life yeah. uh, that is going to be a game changer for me. We'll let you know at the end of October. Good. But uh, here's my favorite quote from Jeff Both. That was my favorite quote of the book. Here's my favorite Jeff Both quote. Are you ready, oh, Jeff? And it is a theology oh, quote. Boy. Yeah, but you're, you're going to laugh when I read it. Bo- you said, bottom line, what you feed grows, and the longer we... Let it grow. The more it has potential to crush us. Simply put, we are dirt. <laughs> There's the theology, yeah. right? So, so what are some big fields of dirt? It, like when you look at men out there, what are some of those big fields they need to plow up, disc up, and take? It care is. Of? That's good. It's a. It's a good. Uh, not veiled, but it's de- definitely double entendre that we are dirt, and we are. When God made Adam, He put He the elements, and and then He breathed. It's the only He breathed His breath into Adam. So we are dirt. I don't say that in derisive manner, but we are dirt. And so what you plant in your life grows. What you plant in your mind grows right here. What you, what you look at grows and which, what do you, what do you, you're like, that's no big deal. Really track your time, track your time. What, what, what you're looking at on the computer, what you are reading and so it's it's this is interesting, and that's why um, I personally, now I've got guys that help me. My sons help me. I do almost nothing on social media because it it was something that I meant. I was very competitive in social media. I'm like, oh, how many likes did that get? How many how many competitive? I'm like that. What is the matter with me? And so I would 
I'm like, I need to be writing books and reading books and I need to be so, and I'm not saying that's wrong for everybody, but for me, what, what are you planting in your body? Right. What are you planting in your mind? What are you planting in your children? Right. And so hence what we plant in the dirt of our lives and who we are grows. Well, it's interesting. Social media, I pay people to to take care of that for me because I, yeah. I'm not a fan of social media, but this ch- that was in the context of your body, that chapter. So for me, I yeah. read that as I'm growing my body because I'm planting things in my body that are not healthy, that are causing Absolutely. my body to react adversely. And then you said in your book, you said, physical health is more important because it allows us to serve God unhindered, unhindered. Yeah. And when yeah. I when I'm not physically fit, I, I'm unhindered in energy. I'm unhindered in yeah. movement. I'm unhindered in so many ways. But we're running short on time here, man. So I gotta. Okay. I knew this was happening with you, Jeff. So let's talk okay. about crushing your mouth. You said uh, you said in your book, why are words so powerful? I think it's because they can directly affect your soul. They either nourish or crush it. Whoever first coined, I love this is such a Jeff Voth quote. This is this is this is so. If, if you were to read this next quote, I'd be like, "Oh, Jeff Voth said that." I would, re- Still, I would I, read it the other day. I'm like, oh, "That is pretty- so you." You got you the sticks and whoever said sticks or stones may bake my bones, but names may never hurt me was an idiot. <laughs> I, I love that is you've got to throw a few of the Vothisms in there, man. Yeah, but I mean that's so true, right? Like our words are so powerful. I, I'm like, that's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. And we've all said it. We probably said it to our kids. And I'm like, that's a lie. That did hurt. That did hurt. And, and you, you've done that to people as well. Words are effective and words can. So we want to make sure what we say lines up with the truth of scripture. And I'm not saying, although it's great. I mean, I love people that can speak the truth of a scripture and then tag the scripture address onto it. I like that. Now you don't, shouldn't do it derisively and religiously to pound somebody, but to speak life to them and to speak encouragement to them and exhortation to them. And, and uh, art is what you're saying, lining up with the truth of scripture. And I tell you what got me, what I was, what are you watching? Are you watching? How about the words that are going into your mind through movies and videos and reels, right? I confronted some dudes the other day that are real close to me. I'm like, what do you, how could you be watching that, man? What do you really, what do you, no, it's no big deal. It's just a reel. I went, no, 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 it is a big deal. Why do you think Jesus said the eyes, the window to the soul? The ear is the window to the soul. What do you, come on, man. That's, that's fueling lust. That's, Yep. So, well, in Second yeah. Corinthians ten five, take every thought captive, right? Absolutely. Take every thought captive. So, I want to. I want to. <clears> this <throat> is my theology question coming up right now. Are you ready for this? Absolutely. So, Bring this it. is the and I, and this is a, a legitimate question. I don't know the. I mean, I kind of have my own answer, but I'm I'm curious. In chapter six, you talk about crushing the mind. Yeah. So when I think of so Jesus said, "Love the Lord your other heart, soul, mind, and strength," but then in Genesis 126, going back to Genesis, you know, let us make man in our image, the Imago Day. Yeah. So how yeah. when you talk about crushing with your mind, are you are you saying that the mind, the human soul, i.e. the Imago Day, uh, are the, the are are these all the same thing to you? Or how do you how do you what, what do you mean when you say mind? Is this just yeah. your brain or is it beyond <laughs> that? Where are you going here? So do it depends. 
there's way too much time for you and I to I know, talk, I know. talk about bipartite or tripartite being. <laughs> but the Hebrew concept is you have a body. Yes. And then you have a spiritual being. Now, the Greek, the Greek, the Western construct yeah. pulls those things apart. They separate the them. Body, soul, and spirit. Correct. That's not really a Hebrew thing. Agreed. And so I think that internal part of you is part of that. That's that's the person. And physically, that's why Jesus came. The incarnation is a beautiful thing. The body's not a bad thing. Uh, that's what Gnostics said, right? So for them, it was all about that internal. And so they could do whatever they wanted to, to go out and sleep with a prostitute, do whatever you want to with your body. It doesn't affect. Well, we know that's not true as well. There's this beautiful tie. But for me, to take care of what, how am I, how am I stewarding my mind? What am I watching? What am I reading? What am I feeding it with? That affects the brain. It affects that core, my heart. It the, it affects the spirit and the soul. And so uh, we can, you know, take a systematic theology class and talk about bipartite or tripartite, but I'll, I'll you know, it is, physical and spiritual and that spiritual is an interesting conglomeration at the very least <laughs> well no I, I and I totally agree with you on that and I don't want to go do yeah. a deep dive into a rabbit hole my what I was thinking was in the context of your book your mind is not your brain your mind is this thing that we have this ability to choose right? yeah yeah it's volition correct that's where for me that's where volition lives what are you going to choose to put into that? this wonderful computer that is your brain that will affect your soul, your heart, the core of who you are. Uh, that's very important. Yeah, it's a good point. And I'll, so that's, that's caught up in that internal person of who you are. No, that's exactly what I was hoping you would say. <laughs> you know, Philippians 4, <laughs> 7, well, in Philippians 4, 7, Paul said, you know, we live in this world, everybody's got this disease called anxiety now. He said, uh, be anxious for nothing, but everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your request known to God and the God of peace yeah. who guards your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus right yeah. so and I I love that part like there's something yeah. there's a there's a collaboration between our heart and our mind and somehow they're different but what we allow into our mind affects the heart and and then yeah. it becomes a cycle right so this Absolutely. this but this is the, this goes back to functional atheism like yeah. if, if I'm a if I'm a follower a radical sold out follower of Jesus I'm going to try with the best of my ability to to guard what comes in my mind. This is all stuff that I love because when I don't do that, I get crushed, right? Absolutely. I become addicted to pornography. I become addicted to uh, uh, acceptance and pleasing men. I become addicted and, to... And, and Jim, you need to be smart and be smart. Be tactical, right? You're tactical in other things you do. Be tactical. I'm tactical uh, when I'm when I'm doing cardio, I audible, then I listen to books. Uh, I, and when I, uh, when I sit down to use the restroom, I pick up a book every time. I've read more of the big thick books. You're like, I don't know what I do. Man, I, I'm serious. I crank off books when I'm sitting using the restroom. I mean, I'm wanting to feed my mind with stuff that, you know, is going to help build me up, is going to help minister to, to you know, this and this. Um, I think that's really important. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, and I, I read 50 plus books a year for the podcast, a lot of them, but you know, I could be doing a lot of other things that don't yeah. benefit me, but that's what I choose to do. So uh, hey, we're running man. really short on time here, but I want to, I want to, I know it's killing me. 
we need to just get I'd you back to. on and do cave time or do your other book. But uh, but I want to talk about this this last concept of well, there's a couple concepts here that I will not share. Let the guys get your book and read about it. But let's talk about this concept of this generational yeah. curse, uh, and you call it the uh, and what did, I can't remember what you called it in this. Ch- the chapter is crushing. Crushing your heritage. And, you know, Matthew Henry once wrote, it ought to be, it ought to be the, a, a man's business every day to prepare for that final day. And I, I think there's a lot of heritage stuff here. And you address this generational thing. Can you unpack what you mean by crushing your yeah, heritage? So I one of the examples I use is Caleb, the 84-year-old, who was the only one with Joshua that said, oh, yeah, we got this. We, you know, spied out the promised land and... Yeah, there are giants in there, but they're so big we can't miss. You know, there's two ways to look at a giant. That yes, man, I'm intimidated. Or dude, we can't miss. That's, That's why I don't want to go to war. Big. They look me, see me come and go. We can't miss that guy. <laughs> yeah, no, <I'm> serious. <laughs> uh, and so the, here's what I love about Caleb. He took God at His word. You know, God let let them know uh, through the man of God that you know you're gonna you're gonna get this this land. And it was a, his mountain. And it was the mountain where his relatives had been buried. And now there were giants that lived there. And he's like, give me that mountain. I'm going to go and I'm going to take that back because I want it to be known for uh, the heritage of my God and my people. And that's 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 who they were. I love that. And that's I want us to be that kind of men that we are on this planet to take dominion, that Genesis 1, 26, 27, 28, oh, where God's like, let us make man in our image and they will dominate. They will establish the kingdom. And so each of us, I every night when I lay down, I put my hand on my wife's hip. If uh, uh, if she's there, sometimes I go to bed earlier than her, but we, I just claim God's dominance on my address. In the name of Jesus. And then I do it over my children. And I know they're grown, but I claim John 6, 44, Lord, that you draw people to the kingdom. And I ask you to draw them. I beg you to draw them so Jesus will raise them up at the last day. As a patriarch, I claim these things. And I speak that. I speak that to my heritage. I let them know that I'm claiming that for them. And uh, pray, like in real time, when they're when they're with us. Man, we pray. We pray in real time. Well, instead of talking about people, let's pray for people. Boom, and we pray for. That's one of the greatest gossip killers in the world. Is You, you find yourself talking about somebody, shut your mouth and pray for them. Right? Take your heritage by literally, like you just said, don't be a functional atheist. Do this. And you do this by letting them know. Moses said that, right? Teach your kids these stories. Talk to them about the fact that God is a real God who parted the Red Sea and crossed the Red Sea and delivered. Uh, tell them the stories. You know, write them uh, on on right on your foreheads. Right, wear them on your wrists and your ankles, and remember them uh, as you look at your garments. That's a big deal, isn't it? And we've I think we've lost some of that. Well, men have to be the tribal storytellers in their family. Absolutely. I mean, our family, we tell story after story after story. I mean, I'll go back 200 years and tell family stories. <laughs> That's no, awesome. No, we really, really do. <clears throat> and so awesome. this is really important. And I did my son's wedding a couple months ago. I talked about his great, great grandfather who had the <laughs> same name as him and how faith was such a deep component. But but you know, it's yeah. really interesting, Jeff. We can look at all these chapters in your book and go, hey, I want to <clears throat> crush 
crush sexuality. I want to crush my time. I want to crush my uh, health. I want to crush my heritage. What I have found when men get crushed, a lot of those men are men who are Christian men who love the Lord, who allowed this thing, this, this value of them crush my health. They allowed that to get out of rhythm and they yeah. lost the habit of that and, it, it, and they end up getting crushed. So do you have yeah. any final comments and thoughts on serpent crushing rhythm? Absolutely. So uh, especially if you've been crushed, Jesus is the serpent crusher. On Golgotha, I have a great chapter. We talk about uh, God, and it's stuff that I hadn't read before and some obscure scholarly stuff that I've run it through the scholarly gauntlet that, man, on Golgotha, place of the skull, where I know, I believe with all my heart that David had Goliath's head on a pike and that all of his culture knew, right? And that when Jesus on that same hill said, it is finished and was crucified for us, then resurrected three days later, sent the Holy Ghost a few weeks later and empowered you to be a serpent crusher too, to engage in a healthy rhythm. Now, none of us are perfect, right? And here's the beauty of Jesus, that when you're saved, I don't think you have to, oh man, I screwed up today. I got to get resaved. I don't believe in that. He's a great shepherd. I think he saves us and he is able to keep us. Uh, and and uh, so I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not wanting to scare you into thinking, oh man, I got to do this method to get saved again because I'm just a piece of crap. Not at all. But when you start doing some of these things, our friend Dallas Willard, who's in heaven, now said this, the disciplines are wisdom, not righteousness. Yes, correct. Absolutely. The disciplines are wisdom, not righteousness. This book is smart. You will be smarter if you read it. You will be smarter if you do it. You will be tactically on top of things. Are you perfect? No. But then pick it up again, and we give you a very simple rhythm. Just And the rhythm works because it's stuff that our, our a supreme example is our Lord Jesus. Man, as you look through the text of Scripture, he was a rhythmic guy. That's why Judas knew where to find him. Why? Because Jesus went and prayed at the same place. That's why Peter knew where to find him in Mark 1.35. Very early, while it was still dark, in the morning, he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Why? Because he went to the same place where they were at. Jesus was rhythmic. He was rhythmic, and he crushed Satan, and he can pass that rhythm onto us as well by the Spirit. You've got the Spirit, and the Spirit will help you. I'm all about praying without ceasing, but Jesus modeled a rhythm. He did, didn't I mean, he? We, we, we can't escape the fact that Jesus modeled a prayer rhythm. No, that's really good, Jeff, and that's what I want our guys to hear. Guys, if you're getting crushed in an area, it's time to start building a, a rhythm, an eating rhythm, an exercise mm -hmm. rhythm, a purity rhythm, a, a, a words. Jeff just gave you a great gossip rhythm. Pray instead. You know, yeah. let's develop these a marital rhythm. You know, I mean, a, there's so many rhythms that we can create <clears throat> uh, beyond what we even talked about. It's just a matter of the men identifying, yeah. man, I'm getting crushed in this area. I'm a, I'm a horrible employee. Well, maybe you should fix yeah. that rhythm, bro. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, so, be a better employee. So, Jeff, you've yeah, got a, a, one of my. I love your book, Defending the Feminine Heart, and then you've got Cave Time. You got this. You got uh, a book about C.S. Lewis, which I haven't read. You've got a lot of resources out there. Uh, you're one of the most prolific men I know. Where can these guys get a hold of your stuff? Yeah, you can go to cavetime.org. Just go to cavetime.org. 
all of our stuff's there in our in our shop. I would encourage you. We're doing a currently a Serpent Crusher bundle, so I signed a bunch of copies, and and you can get one of those. We got some stickers. We've got a a, a journal so that goes with this that can help you do some of the things we talk about journaling. Um, and we got a couple hundred of those. Uh, I think maybe half of those are left. We uh, we opened last weekend, and so uh, love to have your guys jump on some of those. That's awesome, man. Well, I sure appreciate you coming on the show, buddy, and uh, we'll uh, look forward to having you back on sometime soon. How about bringing me out there and let's go fishing? Or duck hunting. We need to crush, buddy, we need to crush some, some mallards in real time. Oh, baby. You are very selfish about those ducks. It's you and your sons. You need to show yeah. me where your honey hole is. I am selfish about my sons, yeah. So, <laughs> Well, let's let's talk because I also have a connection in Oklahoma for duck hunting. Jim, listen. <laughs> I do. You so, need to come. All right, brother. Great seeing you, man. Love you, buddy. All right, you too, man. Bye. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for listening to our interview with Jeff Voth today. But as we close out our episode, we want to share with you one of our man laws found in my book, Man Laws, 101 Ways to Get Your Man Card Revoked and Rules to Live By. This is man law number 22, comes from Toby Calhoun. It's very simple. When picking up a wrench or screwdriver from your toolbox, you must flip it in the air 360 degrees and catch it before you get to work. Love that one, Toby. Uh, Just don't stab your hand with that screwdriver, especially a Phillips. Those are tough. Anyway, life rule, guys, is simply this. Be, master the tools that you have in your arsenal. Hey, guys, if you enjoyed today's episode and you're a regular listener, but you've never subscribed to the Men in the Arena podcast, please hit that subscribe button right now. Become one of our followers. You get automatic downloads and you help drive the ratings of our ministry up as we seek to impact men and help them become their best versions. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. Crush the serpent and be a man.